Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS. The game hotline, 706-0111, On this glorious Tuesday morning, the Astros won last night three to nothing. It was kind of a – it had frustration written all over it. And it even ended with frustration – but it also ended with a W. And so it was um, It was one of those games where you were clearly outplaying the opponent in the game, but the opponent was right there the whole time. And Odorizzi pitched tremendous, and yet for a long time it was one to nothing. And you're like, how many runners are you going to leave on base? I mean, at one time the Astros had left like seven or eight. The Mariners had left one because they didn't hardly have any base runners. And yet they were only down one nothing, and that's a scary situation to be in. Um, finally, uh, Jeremy Pena hit a really, really, really long home run. It's amazing on distances how deceiving they are. If you pull the ball, it looks so much like it looks like you're hitting it so much further than when you hit it to center field, but you're really not. It just looks that way. It, it how to see, but still he hit the ball. I think it was four twenty three ricocheted off the rail, the the train tracks, above everything in left field. Uh, finally gave the Astros a three run cushion. You know they just their their pitcher is so frustrating. Gonzalez, he just change up after change up after change. Up. Just like man, enough. But uh, he hung in there and did a good job and and kept his team in it. They just could never really hit. And then in the ninth, I don't know if they gave Montero the ninth coming in because he's a former. They traded him with the Mariners and essentially the Mariners cut him and just he was like a throw in in the Kendall Graveman trade with with with, with Toro. Um. But and he has looked fabulous this year, and I don't know if he was just so nervous and whatever lost his focus because he's playing against his old team. But he looked terrible last night. It was by far his worst outing of the season. I know it's early, I get it, but still, he has looked tremendous this season and pretty much every outing. In some outings, he just looked completely dominant, but. He looked awful last night. He was all over the place. He could not throw a strike. And um, he got very lucky that Suarez was up. And Suarez is in a major slump right now and tapped into an in, a game-inning double play on a 3-1 pitch. So uh, Astros got very lucky there. But uh, it was a W. And it was uh, it w- it was good to see Oda Rizzi pitch again. Man, I I don't know what's going on. 
And Stanek has always thrown hard, but that cat's consistently throwing 101 this year. I don't ever, I don't remember him. I mean, he hit 100 a couple times last year, but I don't remember him consistently throwing 100. And uh, he needs to throw a little, few more strikes himself. Uh, but no, that was a that was a nice win. All wins are nice, but um, it was a nice win last night. Now. We have we're going to talk more about this as the season goes on, but this deal, it's really strange. I I don't know if it's the baseball. It's pretty obvious that the baseball's dead this year. Now, why is the baseball dead? I I haven't gotten a real clear indication of that. I don't know why Major League Baseball keeps messing with the baseballs. Why can't some years they hot and some years they're dead? Like, what is the deal with that? It's it's too much manipulation of the results to me. And and it's not that it's necessarily unfair to anyone. It's just like, why are they doing it? I I don't. I guess it could be unfair depending on the kind of park you play in. Um, and you know it's. Once we get to June, in about a month, I think we're going to get a better indication on who's really pitching that well. Like, too many people are pitching well right now. I don't know how real, I don't know what's real and what's fool's goal. Just something to throw out there. Uh, again, I, I, I don't, I try to wait till the summertime before making any generalizations about Major League Baseball. Not that I don't pay attention. I play, I, I definitely pay attention. I try to watch every game that I possibly can, although following the Astros this weekend was a little more of a challenge for a lot of different reasons. But anyway, it was, um, I was still able to do it for the most part. And and it's not that I don't follow it, don't pay attention. It's just I don't I try not to make too many generalizations. And this year there's too many teams, too many pitchers pitching well. No, there's no way there's that many good pitchers. And so uh, I think some of it's the ball. I think some of it is too many hitters. Their batting averages still start with zero and one. And um and it, you know, the spring training, all you know, the cold weather in the north for the first couple of weeks, not so much of that anymore. All kind of reasons play into really bad batting averages, not enough hits, and, and some really low scoring games. A lot of really low scoring games. And so we'll we'll wait and see. But again, the games count. Does it matter if it's fool's goal or not, or fluky or not? The games count, and um, you know the the Yankees win again. They beat the Blue Jays. Man, the Blue Jays—they are playing like every game they play is a one-run game. I'm pretty sure five of the six games the Astros played with the Blue Jays over the last couple of weeks, every one was one-run game except for the time the uh was it Friday's game the Astros won it was 11 to 7 I think or 11 to 8 something like that um had a big offensive game but uh other than that it, every game was a one-run game and then they played another one-run game last night and they've been winning almost every one of them but last night they lost it um so it is um it, it, it it's interesting to see 
I mean, do you change the baseball in the middle of the sea? I don't know. I just don't know why they mess with it. I guess they have reasons, but I I, I wish they would kind of leave the baseball alone. Um. Then something else happened yesterday since we spoke. One of the better players in the NFL got suspended, what, six games, for PEDs. Have, have any of us, I mean, it's one thing to PEDs, and then you start hearing things like beaver tranquilizers. What? Beaver tranquilizers. I don't know. Again, I, 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 I barely know what ibuprofen is. So uh, what a beaver tranquilizer is, uh, you know, uh, is beyond me. I, I don't know that I've ever heard that term before in my life. But but anyway, um, believe him or not believe him, I, I don't know. All I know is this. I ask you this question. What conference does DeAndre Hopkins play in? The team that he plays for is in what conference of the National Football League? Obviously, the answer to that question is the NFC. So once again, the NFC, the AFC with almost every news development that has happened since the Rams won the Super Bowl, Almost every news development that has happened since the Rams won the Super Bowl, the NFC has gotten weaker and the AFC has gotten stronger. Now, this is all perception. I understand that. Again, like I was saying yesterday, it's all on paper. No games have been played. We don't even know the schedule. Like nine days from now, we're going to know the schedule. And something is going to be very important on that schedule. I'm an, I, I've decided because I, I, I'm really tired. I get I'm a, I'm tired of this team crushing my face, and so there's a team that you, you're going to hear a lot about on this show over the next three or four months. The Philadelphia Eagles. It's time. It's time to figure out the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, historically, I'm just throwing this out there right now because we're going to be talking about it here and there. And when we get closer to the NFL season, we're really going to be talking about it. Historically, and it's not every game, but historically, it's been a home away thing. Like, I don't have a lot of good memories of the Saints going to the Eagles and winning. Like, the best Saints team prior to the to the uh, Casper to quit or Sean um, Drew Brees era was the 1992 team. The season opener that year, Saints went 12-4 and four that year. Their, their largest margin of defeat in the regular season was like four points to the Bills, who were the super, perennial Super Bowl team. And in the... First game that year, they lost 15-13 to 13 on a last-second field goal, and then they played them in the playoffs and got their faces crushed. Well, they were up not, they were up 11 at the half and got their face crushed, figured that out. 
Now, that was one, the, the first game was in Philly. The second was in the Superdome, unfortunately. But, you know, there, there's so many. I mean, how many times? Seriously, the Saints have not had their face just totally crushed that much in the last 15, 16 years. Not, not, it hasn't happened that often. But three of the times that it's happened has been at Philly. And they just, for whatever reason, when they go to Philly, they just get their face crushed. It's not even competitive. Um, so that is something it's going to be very important that at least that game is at home when the schedule comes out nine days from now. Because if you look around the NFC, again, you tell me. Now, most of you don't believe that, but it's the truth. The Rams are not going to the Super Bowl next year, so y'all can forget that. Rams are out. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. They may have one of the best records in the regular season. The Rams are not going to the Super Bowl. Okay? So who's going to the Super Bowl? The Bucs, perhaps. They got a good team. Uh, but the Saints own the Bucs, so I feel pretty good about the ability to beat the Bucs. Done it a lot over the last 50, you know, 40-something years. Done it a lot. Um, the Eagles are the team that really worries me. Like, because I don't know about the Packers. Like, the Packers are really good, but are the Packers getting better? No, it doesn't seem like it. I, You know, I don't. Can the Packers be beat with a good defense in the playoffs? Um, yeah, they can. Do you got to score 35 points to beat the Packers at Lambeau in the playoffs? Uh, no, you don't. So other than the Eagles, like, who is it that we should start getting obsessed about? I mean, I'm telling you, it's the Eagles. Because for whatever reason... They just own the Saints right now. I mean, they, it's just, it's just face crush city. They don't even compete with them. They have no idea how to stop the Eagles. None. The mighty Eagles can't do it. So that's the target right now for me. Got, got to figure out this Eagles nonsense. But man, oh no, Hopkins plays for the, he plays in the NFC. The NFC. I think there's a lot of people who are down on the Saints who don't realize I don't I don't think they realize what conference the Saints play in. I think they've forgotten it. All right, we'll take a timeout. Give you a little time to maybe remember what conference the Saints play in. We'll come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, now is a good time to do so. I want to remind you about Astro Weekend Getaway. May the 21st, the Astros will be taking on the Texas Rangers. And if you go to the game clubhouse and join by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you could win four tickets to that game, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening, all part of Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Hotel, I mean Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Rangers can really hit. They got, I mean, Corey Seager is so good. Oh, I cannot believe that guy came in my division. He's going to be in forever. Got one Seager out of the way. He finally decided to retire. Kyle Seager, he had a million home runs against the Astros. He had seven of them last year. And um, and then in the offseason, they signed Corey Seager to a lifetime contract, his brother, and he's already hitting home runs against the Astros. Man, that guy is really good, Corey Seager. Uh, I, I just, we have never been real good at getting that guy out. He's uh, he's very impressive. And then they have Adolis Garcia, who's hit eight, eight, what, eight or nine. He hit seven last year against the Astros. I think he already has one or two this year in that series. I mean, unbelievable. Just can't get that guy out. But anyway, Astros, Rangers. So if you are looking forward to that, um, join the, the, club, the game clubhouse. You might win that Astro weekend getaway. Last night, you know, it's 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 curious to me, and I understand so much of the media is about hyperbole, and, you know, we all are prisoners of the moment to a certain extent. But, and I'm not saying they don't even deserve it, but like last night, the Suns beat the Mavs, and they're just going on and on and on about how unbelievable the Suns are and they're far away the best team in the league and maybe that's all true but again and I'm not even a Pelicans fan I mean I want them to do well like I always tell you but I'm not a Pelican fan I'm not going to insult Pelican fans by saying I'm a Pelican fan because I'm not but for someone who you know like them okay want them to do well I'm thinking Man, if they're that good, I mean, if I'm a Pelican fan, when I hear that stuff, that that's got to make me feel good. Because you beat them twice, you could have beat them four times. You could have. There was only one game where you just, you know, just got beat. And and when they did it. You know, they had to have Bridges, one of their complimentary players, have a career game, and then one of their Hall Hall of Famers have a career game. You know, because without those things, they they would have that game would have the series would have probably gone at least seven. And so, if they can make the Mavericks look that bad this whole series, and it's just one game, I get it. But if they can make the Mavericks look that bad this whole series, then to me, if I'm a Pels fan, I feel even better about how the Pels feel. Um, played. I think the Pels might have more web. Like, obviously, Luka's a great player, but I don't, you know, the Mavs don't have that many other weapons as good. So, 
I don't know. It just kind of every time I hear them talk about just how over the top good and better the Suns are than everybody else, I'm thinking, man, they didn't embarrass the Pelicans for by any means. So that that that's a pretty good um pretty good statement about what the Pelicans were able to do, and we'll see what happens um, next year for them. But what a what a great building block for sure. Uh, in the next segment, we'll have our weekly conversation with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs and Kate. The Cajuns don't have a midweek game, and they're looking. You know, they're in the middle of. Uh, you know, they 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 lost Sunday, so it was two out of three, and then they're looking at UTA, who's not good on paper, and they and it can be a little defeating if you get too deep into it because. Even if you beat UTA 100 to nothing in three straight games, you're going to fall in the RPI. That's just the way it works, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to play and, and hope it works out for you. I mean, I mean, there's only so much you can do. You have, you have a, you're in a conference, and you want your conference to do well to a certain extent, and you, there are going to be years where some teams in the conference are good and some of them are terrible, and that's just there's not there's nothing you can do about it. So look forward to see it. Uh, we'll talk to, uh, have our weekly conversation with Coach Deggs, and in the next hour we'll get you update on the softball situation with our our friend Bobby Novo. And by the way, on Thursday. See, we aren't Johnny-come-latelys on this show. We've been talking about the Kentucky Derby for a month. It is The Kentucky Derby is here, folks. It's Saturday. It's Kentucky Derby week. We got odds yesterday and favorites yesterday. And, um, and so we'll have our weekly visit with Mr. Tom. Last week it got postponed just because of the draft and there were no the derby prep races were over and it was just too much draft talk but uh we look forward to getting final uh kind of analysis of this year's Kentucky Derby on Thursday including Mr. Tom's pick um and I don't know I wasn't from everything that he had said I was a little surprised at who the favorite was but We'll get his impressions of that on Thursday. I wanted to make a few comments. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. The Saints undrafted free agent list. The the, the one most popular guy that everybody's talking about, by the way, is Smoke Monday because of how great his name is. And then his legend began to grow. Because they have all these little videos of him in a Drew Brees jersey and, and clowning the Falcons, and Saints fans love that stuff. So, But the thing that's curious to me is I think that on paper, I think last year was the best secondary the Saints have ever had on paper. And I think th- this coming year on paper going in is going to be now the best, and last year's gonna be the second best secondary the Saints ever had, and this this coming year is gonna be the best secondary the Saints ever had, deepest, uh, most talented secondary ever. Now again, the difference is there are newcomers here, and so there you have to look at that. I'm talking about just talent on a football field, 
it's it, games are not won with just talent. You have to play together and have leadership and all that kind of stuff. So I think this is going to be the most talented, deepest secondary the Saints have ever had. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the best because by last year, Malcolm Jenkins and, and Marcus Williams had a little bit more of a um, you know working relationship. We're going to have to see how Tyron Matthew and May and, and you know Mesh, you know they're going to have to work together. So it's going to there's it, a little bit more of a of a work in progress and a chemistry issue that's got to play got to play itself out once they get to training camp and through preseason and all that. But on paper, it, it's the most talented and deepest. To me, it's not even close. I mean, people, the, the those of you who don't understand that, y'all need to go back and look at the rosters when the Saints won the Super Bowl and in 2011, which is probably still the best team the Saints ever had. This secondary is way ahead of the way ahead. I mean, folks, Usama Young was playing in the Super Bowl. Usama Young in the Super Bowl. Got burned for a touchdown. Colts went up 10-0 over Usama Young. Usama Young would not make this team. He wouldn't come close to making this team. Not even close. The cat was starting in the Super Bowl and playing in the Super Bowl. Not even He wouldn't even have a chance to make this team, Usama Young. And so I think it's the best secondary we ever I think it's the best roster we've ever had. Me, I know I'm in the minority there, but very much in the minority. But the but the curious thing is there were more de- of the 17, four of them were defensive backs, which I don't quite get that. So I, my point is I don't know if Smoke Monday's got much of a shot to make this team. Now he might make the practice squad. I think that's possible. But as great as his name is, I don't know if he's got much of a chance to make the team. Either today or tomorrow, I'll come. I always do this each year. I come up with the three names that I think have a best chance of making this team. We already know who one of them is. I will, um, the running back, we talked about him quite a bit. And we'll come up with two other names. The problem is two of my other leaders play the same position at wide receiver, and I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. So I might have to switch that around a little bit. We'll see. All right, time to take a timeout. When we come back, have our weekly interview with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad. catch i'd like that not all of them had such heartwarming moments this guy threw at his own kid in a father's son game now back to more baseball talk here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station We're with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs. I don't know, Coach. Obviously, I wasn't in North Carolina, but I kind of got the feel, kind of reminding me of the Astros playing the Rockies in the 90s. Did uh, what, what, what was it like, like playing conditions-wise there and the, the way the field worked? 
Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, they've got just a naturally beautiful setup. Uh, I think it's the highest point on campus. You're at three or 4,000 feet, and uh, it's a big ballpark, kind of like Colorado. Uh, has to have a big ballpark, and uh, obviously you're not at that elevation, but we had nice weather, and uh, it was cool. It wasn't cold. And, you know, that ballpark just set up kind of like Georgia State. It was really good for our guys. And uh, I think we ran seven balls out of there or something. And uh, we're hitting the ball extremely hard right now. And uh, I know our guys like to play in there. It was a good trip. Uh, not a great one, but it was good. Uh, you know, all of us wanted to, to sweep three straight series on the road and get that school record. Uh, just kind of keep things rolling. It's disappointing when you don't finish. I think that's the first time we haven't finished on a Sunday since maybe Troy. Uh, you know, but we won six straight series. That hasn't happened since 2016. and got a chance to, you know, get another one this weekend and finish school out and, and uh, just focus on baseball. So, you know, is it one of those series, though, offensively or pitching-wise, like Jacob didn't have one of his better starts, that you just kind of – it's a unique setting and a unique ma- – and you just kind of don't worry, get too bogged down in the details and move forward. Do, do you kind of – pitching-wise and hitting-wise, or how do you – do you take anything from this series moving forward other than the wins? No, I don't think you panic. I mean, the game ebbs and flows, and this weekend was offense, and you can have a weekend where it's pitching and defense and, you know, but moving forward, I think what you're going to see is it's every weekend will probably be offensive just because the weather is going to heat up and, and, you know, it's uh, the, the conditions are going to be conducive to hitting and these hitters have seen everything by now. And this is what always happens this time of year. What we've got to do is limit the freebies. And if we do that, we'll be really hard. Uh, to beat because we are getting so offensive and our starters will do a good job of keeping us in the game. Uh, it was just a hard-fought series. I mean, the scores aren't indicative of the games. Uh, they gave us all we could handle, but we were fortunate to, to come away with a series victory. All right. So, you know, at the beginning, of, we, we've been raving about Julian Brock all year long, but but he's way more than just the leader and the star that, straw that stirs the drink and hosting the party and all those things we've been talking about. He's crushing the ball, too. I mean, he's really become a complete catcher, it seemed like, over the course of the season. Yeah, it's uh, and he's going to get better, too. I mean... He reminds me so much of Javi Lopez that caught for the Braves. Uh, he looks like him physically. Uh, I mean, he's just everything reminds me of him. He's had the best swing path on the team since he got here. Uh, it's an end to out, catch the ball and swing it, big league swing path. And, and he was born with it. God gave that to him. And it's, he, now he's learned how to use it, and uh, it, it's not unlike, uh, say, a Derek Jeter. He has the ability, to, if he's balanced, to wait so long to recognize pitches and then catch them and sling them, and not unlike a, a slingshot almost. And so he's a guy that's very sudden with impact, and 
guys that can hit like that can hit for a long time because they don't chase. And that's what you're seeing out of Jew right now. I probably should move him up in a batting order, honestly. But he's provided so much depth and length for us that, I mean, it's been a pretty good deal. He's, look, he's going to really hit. I mean, he's just, he's not even close to what he's going to do. You know, speaking of length in the lineup, you know, a guy that you were really high on coming in and he's had his ups and downs and he had some nice games over the weekend. I think he was three for four or five with three ribs on Saturday is Heath Hood. And it seems like if Heath can get consistent, that could, you know, that really, you're talking about lengthening your lineup, he could really contribute to that. Yeah, I mean, Heath is a football guy that's playing baseball and he's another raw guy uh you know like a Marshock that uh they have incredible physical tools that need experience and playing time because they're both elite runners elite throwers uh both have real quick flat bats and uh just need experience and you're seeing that boy he's playing gold glove defense too that he could uh some of the plays he's made and some of the throws he's made lately are just game-changing. Coach, there's, there's so many things I love about baseball compared to the other sports. And one of the – we got another, in my mind, shining example of that on Saturday where your your starter, like we mentioned, Jacob didn't hadn't didn't get as you know wasn't as successful and didn't go as long as we he normally or he has been doing, and then you have a guy who's a veteran like Austin Perrin who hasn't really done much at all this season. Step up in a in a in a kind of a tough situation. You you throw him in and he gives you almost what four and two thirds five innings of of great relief stabilizes the situation and allows you to win the series. It's just you just don't see that kind of stuff a lot in other sports and you get it in baseball and and that i thought that stood out over the weekend as well he won that game for us i mean look at the way we came out it's seven to one for you could blink we're about to blow them up again and uh to their credit they didn't quit and were able to get to schultze who was a little bit flatlined on on saturday i mean the ball wasn't changing planes a whole lot uh they stacked i think Eight and nine hitters were left-handed, uh, which, you know, we still got to be able to get those guys out and navigate that. But it just he didn't have his best stuff. So, uh, but he has a firm fastball. So Tib goes to to AP, and he's able to hit him with the pudding, so to speak, as BJ would say, and and you know a, a lot of uh, back and forth, and then able to get that change up in there, and the slider was working really good. Uh, and just totally discombobulated him. And then he was able to hand it off to Toy, who looked as good as I've seen him, real good fastball, and uh, finish that one off. Because that look, that didn't go to script, did it? I mean, I think everybody thought that was about to just get ugly, ugly. And uh, I think they had six errors, and we were just doing whatever we wanted uh, offensively. And uh, just we were having trouble stopping them. And so when that happens and you almost split up the lead, uh, that's when it gets a little dicey because nobody wants to lose a game where you're winning that good. So is that something where he got some confidence that maybe you could use him a little more here and there, or is it going to be real situational? Talking about Austin. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as he's in the zone and has good hand speed, his key is hand speed. When he has hand speed, that's when guys bite at the slider and the changeup. If if uh, if he's got a good little fastball and some hand speed, it'll be a really tough day for the opponent. If he's if he doesn't, where everything kind of morphs into one speed, uh, that's when it gets a little bit tricky for him. All right, so over the weekend. Coastal won the first two games. Georgia Southern got the th- um, the third one. Uh, you won the first two games and didn't get the third one. It's getting really interesting in the top, you know, the race in the top three or four in the conference with, a, with just a handful of weekends left. Yeah, we were fortunate yesterday. You know, we've been on such a good roll uh, that that uh, South Al grabbed the game at Texas State. And uh, – to keep them within striking distance. You know, there's nine of them left. Uh, and, and Texas State is on the road is one of them for us, obviously. Uh, Georgia Southern, you know, had they kind of came back to earth a little bit against a good coastal team. and uh, That was probably a great series to watch. Those two good teams going at it. Uh, they've got a lot of pressure on them, too, because they're kind of in unprecedented territory. And the thing about being in our league is there's no margin for error because – our RPIs are so volatile. Uh, and what I mean by that is we won a series on the road and we dropped 10, 12 spots. I mean, yeah. we've fluctuated from 36 RPI to 50, 50 something. And, uh, you know, and we're winning series on the road, man. I mean, so, uh, you can pick your non-conference opponents, can't pick your conference opponents. And so, uh, there's a lot, there's more pressure on schools our size, uh, to get it done. Uh, as opposed to, say, the ACC or SEC or even Big 12, for that matter, uh, you know, where they're in their league. But if you lose a series, win a series, it's kind of negligible in the fact of uh, everybody's got a pretty good RPI. So with that said, that puts a lot of pressure on this coming weekend where you, you host the UTA team that you're supposed to beat, and yet two out of three is probably not good enough. I'm going to be real frank with you. Three out of three probably won't be. Yeah. I mean, it's because you're at home. Right. It's a flawed, it's a flawed system and it's not, it doesn't reward good baseball. And, uh, you know, our, our, our mission is to win this league and, uh, if not finish in the top two. And so that's where our focus needs to be. And we need to continue to win series. And, uh, you know, when you have a chance to sweep, you need definitely need to do that. Can't look ahead. We've got to stay in the present. And what's present for us this week is we need to finish strong in the classroom and uh, check that box and then make sure we're rested up and physically and mentally strong for uh, a UTA team coming in here fighting for their life just to become one of the teams that, you know, gets to play in. Uh, and so that's a, a, you know, that's a recipe for danger right there. It's, uh, you're going to have to play good baseball and, you know, pitching stops momentum. Uh, and then if you can pitch and defend, that'll get a little bit suffocating. And then if we can, uh, continue to roll offensively, which we have been, uh, that's when you, you, you know, that's when you start to break people's will. And, uh, we've been able to do that some, uh, I was disappointed because we didn't finish yesterday and that's kind of been our MO as we've finished teams all year. All right, Coach. Well, we uh, appreciate your time, um, and we look forward to the, a great finish of this season now that we're in May. Thank you very much. Yep. 
All right, I'll see you in a little while. All right. UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs will be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win VIP passes to Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War Kids on Saturday, June the 4th, you need to go to the website, join the Rewards Club at 1037 TheGame.com or 1041TheGame.com today. Put yourself in position to win that prize. The ultimate downtown rising VIP experience presented by Social Entertainment, Raiders Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, June the 4th, about a month away. Um, Getting closer. If you want to win that prize, join today. All right. I said yesterday, mistakenly, that because Jake Odorizzi started last night, and by the way, he did great for the Astros, um, that meant Justin Verlander was starting the next day. What I did not factor in is that last week they decided to insert Christian Javier into the rotation, kind of a six-man rotation because of playing so many days in a row and coming off the shortened spring training. They're trying to be as careful as they can, like just about everybody is. And um, and so tonight is actually Javier, not Verlander. It doesn't really matter. It's just for accuracy's sake there. But... Uh, I, I really like Christian Javier, always have. I, I, I keep waiting, and I think it's going to happen this year. And if it doesn't happen this year, I'm going to be pretty confident that it's going to happen next year, that he's going to kind of come into his own and, and really take a big step forward as a, you know, kind of a staple in the rotation from for the, for the foreseeable future. You know, we'll see. The re- there are a lot of reasons that I like him, and one of them is he's never – there's not that many pitchers like this, I don't think. He's never had a bad trip. He never had a bad rung, I should say, going up the ladder. Every level of the minor leagues until he got to the major leagues, he's he was good at. He's never really had a bad year. Uh, now – I just think that there's something about him that makes that the case. It's not just total luck. And, you know, over the last year or so, he's been back and forth, like 
bullpen, some starts here and there, bullpen, and 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 he's been a long reliever a few times, and he's been a one-inning guy, and he's been a two-inning guy. I've seen him pitch three innings, that kind of stuff. So he's done a little bit of all kind of different roles. And sometimes for young guys, I mean, he seems highly composed, but you never know how that plays out behind the scenes. But um, it, it can be hard to remain consistent. So at times he's had a few rough outings here and there. But uh, And I don't think that's abnormal at all, but I, I, I think he's, you know, I really like his the potential of his future. We'll see. The one guy that's really struggling right now um, is Urquidy. And I really like Urquidy, but, man, he's having a rough go right now. I don't know what's going on. So hopefully he can snap out of it. And um, hopefully by the second half of the season, McCullers will be back and this rotation will be, you know, among the elite rota- starting rotations in uh, Major League Baseball. We'll see. We'll see how how it plays out, but uh, no, it's um, flexing tonight. Who happens to be on my fantasy team against um, against Christian Javier? So we'll see what happens in Game Two of that series between Hernandez Mariners and the Astros. All righty, and then of course you can hear that game um, right here on. Uh, no, not right here, on our sister station, News Talk 98.5, which I took advantage of last night. All right, that'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Can watch us also on the simulcast stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. We if you have any thoughts about Tyron Matthew being signed by the Saints, the terms we didn't know the terms yesterday, but we found out yesterday early afternoon sometimes it was three years, 33 million. And um, I don't know. I think some people were a little surprised by the three-year part. We'll see how all of that plays out. But it uh, sounds like a great commitment. It could be a great marriage. I mean, you know, I've heard some people say he's too old, but he's playing safety. He's not playing cornerback. I, I just think there's a difference between those two. And I love having experienced safeties. Uh, and 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 that wisdom and kind of been there, done that kind of thing from the safety position. So we'll see how all of that plays out. I mean, he seems like a guy who galvanizes, seems like a great team leader. And so there's so many things to, to, to like about that signing, and um, it even eases the angst a little bit. For those LSU fans who have this idea that the Saints just hate LSU or whatever. But anyway, um, again, if you have any thoughts, uh, good time to do it in this segment on whether it's the NFL draft, Major League Baseball, 
any of the college sports things that are going on. The game hotline is, again, 706-0111, 706-0111. But when you look at the depth, um, you know, what was it, three weeks or so ago, the Saints signed Daniel Sorensen, maybe it was a month, whenever it was, and 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 he's a guy who kind of a special teamer, was a part of the Chiefs, you know, all the winning the Chiefs have done over the last four or five years. Not like a starter in the secondary, but like a special team, really good special teams player, backup in the secondary. Like, is there even going to be room for him on this roster when they make their final cuts? I mean, maybe there will, but I mean, you know, when you look at Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Tyron Matthew and P.J. Williams and you know, P.J. Williams knows this defense inside and out. And then they draft Alante Taylor. And then they already have, <coughs> that's day one, Lattimore. And they already have Paulson Adebo, who I just love, the, you know, the progress that he made last year. And they have Courtney Roby again. Tyron Matthew is now the most significant um, off-season signing, but until that, the one that the thing that told me right off the bat, they are still very serious about winning. This isn't some sort of silly rebuild that so many people nationally think that the Saints is when they re-sign Roby because so many people thought Roby wasn't going to be back. And if the, you know, I just the the. It's just the deepest secondary they've ever had. And then that doesn't even include, you know, Alante's probably going to be a special teams guy. Then you have JT Gray. You, I mean, how many special teams guys can you have? You have JT Gray, you have Sorensen, and now you have Alante Taylor. At some point, there's a numbers game here. They can't all be there. So I, I don't even know if Sorensen's going to make this team. We'll see. I just hope somewhere along the line they figure out how to beat the Eagles. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Foot. How's it going? Whew, it's going well. How are you, sir? Uh, another glory day being a Yankee fan. Woo, ten in a row. Ten in a row. They're doing well. Think we're going to get that record. And You're not going to get that record. I mean, Y'all need to stop talking we, about records. That's no, silliness. No, you got to get that record. No. Can't take it from us. No. I mean... I'm all, I love records. I'm sorry. I love no, that I love records you. are not love, good. Records and love, big honors are not good. You don't want good. that. It was a great appreciation for hard work, but award certificates. It's about a great the team. For hard work. Shows that you have been recognized for your hard work. No, it pays off. You don't want that. Stay away from nah. that stuff. It's just advice. Like huh? It's just helpful advice I'm giving you free, too. I just know you don't want us to have the record. You prefer your um Cheetos to have the record. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to win that many games in a row. <laughs> it pays off in the long run because yeah. it's a long season. Now I'm pretty sure your Cheetos um cheated the Marins last night, so I think Miss Hannah is really considering that application to become a Yankee fan of no. winning and seeing her. I do not so think so. Have... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she considers it. Trust me, don't worry. But she starts seeing winners. You start thinking, maybe I picked the wrong team. Just saying, Foot. Nope. Now, I really call Foot because I can't believe you're going to sit up here and speak that blasphemy this morning. How dare you? What blasphemy? You said that we have the best 
defensive backs now than in Saints history? Oh, absolutely. When have we ever had a better? They never, they never took a snap yet. And you're saying that. you really reaching for the stars lately, doing all these comparisons when these people never took a, a snap together to see what the deal is. I, I said well, that was a that was something to consider. I, 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 I did say that, but on paper, it's not even close. This is the... This is the most talented, mm-hmm. deepest secondary in Saint history. Huh. It's not even close. You forgot an 09 to take away? Answer this question. Which one is Darren Sharper? Uh, Tyron Matthew. In fact, I no, had that discussion no, don't yesterday. You don't you dare. That man had about 63, 65 career interceptions. Darren Sharper changes the defense and the game when he was on the field. He that was the man difference. Is not that. None of them guys is. Come on now. Oh, no. Huh? Trust me. The, if you if you really think the Saints secondary in the Super Bowl year is as good as this one, then you lost your mind. It's not even close. Not it's not even the same conversation. Until until these people take a snap together and show me different, I'm going with well, that yeah, one. Right there, not one of them is Dan Sharper. No. Not one of them is Dan Sharper. Dan Sharper, he was like Deion Sanders. When you had Deion in the game, you had he had one side of the field. You didn't have nothing to worry about. Just worry about the other side of the field. Well, I mean, he was That's a safety, and, and he was the difference. I mean, I I nicknamed him the difference. In fact, I had that conversation uh, with, with the guru yesterday. I said, I know Honey Badger's already got a very famous nickname, but I'm thinking about uh, should we should we give him the nickname Uh-oh. should the the the, the difference? And well, because of what happened to the difference, we decided that wasn't a good idea to do that. But um, no, that's not because I'm that sharper name. But he was the difference, no question. I'm, I'm just saying, for the, I'm just saying. I just think you might be putting your wagon before your heart. And this, this and one. this he team is so good, they don't even need Matthew to be the difference. They just need him to come on board. Come on now, come on now. But they never took a snap together they just, yet. Let's they just, they it. just need him. But you could say that about any acquisition. They haven't exactly. taken a snap. I mean, we're, everybody we're, look good on paper. You're, you're, you're not adding an undrafted free agent here. You're adding a multi-time All-Pro. Get it? But what? What? what injury? Anything can happen. Well, of course, of course, can anything can happen. Well, you yes. My, well, you could put my name on the list instead of PJ Williams, and we're gonna look like the best. No. That's all I'm saying. But just calm it down a little bit. All right, calm it down. All right, Paul. Trust now, me on this. This is the most talented, deepest secondary oh, in Saint Lord history. Jesus. Okay, there it goes. There yes, it goes. Not even close. I believe you with that one, but you have a good one. The All right, take care. Lord Jesus. And look, I, I, I left. You know, I said it myself that this team has to. They still have to work together. They, 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 they have a lot of. There's some new pieces here, and it's going to take some time to get to that maximum level. But, but it's not even close. I mean, it, you know, when the when the Saints were really good defensively in the 80s and 90s. You know, the famous Dome Patrol defense. Their their defensive linemen were not stars, but they were really good players. Their linebackers were stars. Their secondary was okay. I mean, I love Gene Atkins. He was good. I would say Gene Atkins was above average as a free safety. But, you know, whether you're Brett Maxey or whether you're talking about Antonio Gibson, their strong safeties were okay. They weren't big time. And their cornerbacks, I loved Toy Cook because 
Uh, he was a great interview, but he wasn't a great player. I mean, he wasn't even that far above average if he was. There are other cornerbacks, you know, whether you're talking about Maxie or whether you're talking about Jones or whether you're talking about Toy Cook or, you know, Milton Mack because the injuries had to play. It's not even a comparison between the cornerbacks then and the cornerbacks now. And and that was arguably on the best defenses in franchise history. The don't put their secondary wasn't that good. And um even in the um you know, in the Super Bowl year and the in the in the in the medicine season of ten and 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 you know the unbelievable you know I still think the best team Saints ever had was 2011. Those secondaries weren't as good as this one. It's not even close. I mean, really, it's not even worth having a discussion about. The other than the point that Paul made is they've got to work together because they've never done it before. Uh, and so yeah, that there's no question. But again, you can say that about anyone. You could say well. I'm picking uh, Michael Jordan, you know, sh- should have been number one, but he wasn't. But, uh, but, but, well, we don't know. He's never played with Doug Collins before. I mean, you could say that about anyone if you acquire them, whether they're a free agent or you take them in the draft. Yeah, things have to be done. It just uh, You don't just snap your fingers and then all of a sudden it's this magical transformation. You got to put in the work. You got to get on the same page. You got to develop good chemistry. You got to accept the coaching. You have to understand the coaching and, and all of that. I mean, there's going to be growing pains. And, and, and I think the thing that so many people miss, and I think the disconnect – that I had with a lot of you last year about my impressions of the Saints and my expectations for the Saints and my uh, evaluation of the Saints. And y'all, it, I, I think this is where the disconnect is. It's not about where you are in week one or what your poten- or where you are or what your potential is in week eight or nine. It's about what are you going to be able to do and how are you going to be able to match up with the elite teams in your conference come playoff time? That's what it's about. And you do that by being able to cover people. The reason why the Dome Patrol did not win as much as it should have in the postseason, which it didn't win any postseason game, is because they could not, as great as the linebackers were and as good as the defensive line was, when it came down to it, whether it was Anthony Carter or uh, what was the other line uh, wider or, or, you know, Mike Quick or Michael Haynes, they could not cover people. It's about can you cover people come playoff time? That's what it's about. As good as 2011 was, that team was incredible. When it came down to it, they could not cover people. The secondary wasn't good enough to cover great wide receivers in the postseason with with everything on the line. That's what it's about. And um, now... It takes you. You got to do a lot of winning to get to that point, and I agree. I agree with that. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, it's not gonna matter whether they can cover the people in the playoffs. 
I agree. Just get me to the playoffs. Just get me to the playoffs. And they're gonna and last year's team, if healthy, would have been the most prepared roster that to go to the Super Bowl of any Saints team ever. And this one is more gonna be more prepared than Nashville if it stays healthy. If, if, if it stays healthy, no question. All righty. We'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears to UL softball. Got lots of uh, interesting th- uh, areas to and paths to explore for that team. We'll do that with Bobby Nova next at the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 3rd, 1936. Joe DiMaggio makes his Major League debut for the New York Yankees as he records three hits. The Yankee Clipper would go on to record 2,214 hits in his Hall of Fame career, which saw him win nine World Series titles and three MVPs. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you about, or re-remind you about um, a great food offer. Chance to win a $50 gift certificate at Half Shell Oyster House. If you would like that, have an opportunity to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. You simply need to go to the website, join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. You might win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. So sign up today. All right, we have with us a man who is just flying high right now. His Yankees have won 72 games in a row. And are trying to, according to Paul, going to set an all-time record for consecutive victories. Uh, he's a big fan of the Cajun softball team, and and they are now three wins away from winning the Sun Belt Conference Championship. Got a lot of things going in the right direction. His Saints just picked up Tyron Matthew and and picked up a tackle and offensive and a wide receiver in the first round. Man, this is a happy man. Talk about happy, Kevin. And, and add to that, today is Boudin Day at Monica Myers State Farm Insurance in Youngsville. So <laughs> that makes me even more happy. So the man's got all this great stuff happening. And uh, and he's eating Boudin, too. Wow. Uh, man, oh, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, everybody so wants like to be Bobby today. All right. So tell me, Bobby. Um I think it's 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 interesting. This team, we've been talking about and analyzing all the different aspects of this team from the very beginning, 
And it's kind of curious to me that here we are, we're going into the last weekend of the regular season, and there's still all these question marks, like, you know, because of injury, really. I mean, it's like, all right, how much is Jordan going to be able to play? You know, is Maddie going to be able to play? And if Jordan plays, is she going to play be the DP or first baseman? And if she's the first baseman, you know, what happens there? And if she's the DP, what happens there? What do you do with Carly? I I mean, it's amazing what injuries can do when otherwise everything else is heading in the right direction. Yeah, we talked about it at the beginning of the year, how much depth this team had and how was Coach Glasgow going to be able to get all these kids some at-bats and, you know, if these kids were going to be able to stay happy because of the depth and, uh, and you know, it always plays out, Kevin. You, you always got to deal with these injuries. And, you know, Jordan Campbell's probably done at third base for the season. And uh, she'll either be, uh, if in the lineup, she'll be at DP or first base. And then what do you do with Laney Crater and then Carly Heath? So those three kids right there, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do with those three. And then if Maddie comes back and then Raina, Raina's healthy again and had a really good weekend, Raina O'Neill. And so, you know, do you put Maddie in left? And what do you do with, with Falterman if, if, if you put Maddie in left? So a, a lot of question marks, but that's some good question marks to have, Kevin. For those who might, you know, follow Cajun softball but not real closely, understand that Jordan Campbell is it was on a is going to be on a short list of, of MVPs in the conference. She's the best. She's had the best offensive season on this team. She's been hit, you know, hitting over four hundred. Got a little, got pop in her bat. Um, she has uh, been a, had a fabulous year offensively. Had some issues here and there defensively. Moved a little bit to second. Moved back to third, but was kind of coming back into her own. And uh, when this unfortunate injury happened a couple of weeks ago at Illinois, and Maddie Hayden. You know, Raina O'Neill was penciled going to be the starting center fielder this year, then then got injured early again, just like she did a year ago. Maddie Hayden took over in center field and is a fabulous defensive center fielder. So you're talking about you've got a center fielder in center field, and if she moves to left, a center fielder in left. I mean, so they should be good defensively in the outfield. It's just how the batting order is going to work out. Or what is your biggest concern in all this? Well, I mean, you know, I know how much you love individual awards, and you're right about Jordan Campbell. And, uh, you know, she's as good as any player in the conference, especially offensively. And then Maddie Hayden, you know, she's also injured right now, but she's certainly a candidate for freshman of the year in the conference. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get those two kids back in the lineup, and uh, it's going to give us just even more offensive uh weapons than, than we've had, and we both know how well the offense has been performing since midway through the season, and it's been fun, it's been exciting, and hopefully it's something that could continue for about four more weeks. All right, so just to get the record straight about what, what what's at stake this weekend, they play at ULM Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If the Cajuns win all three games – uh, no matter what South Alabama does, they will be the regular season champ- Sunbelt Conference champions. But if the Cajuns lose one game and, and, and South Alabama sweeps at Troy, then the Cajuns won't win. If South Alabama loses one out of three, the Cajuns only need to win one out of three. So it's kind of strange the way the math works. 
That's exactly right, what you just explained. And, uh, it, you know, it all has to do with the fact that uh, South Alabama's played five less conference games than the Cajuns. And then th- those games uh, obviously are not going to be made up. So it's going to go on percentage points. And uh, exactly, if the Cajuns go to uh, Monroe and take care of business and don't worry about watching the scoreboard and worrying about what South Al does and, and it sweeps all three games and they'll be conference champs, they'll be the number one seed in the conference tournament and they'll play at 10 o'clock next Wednesday morning. And, you know, and that's certainly the goal. And we've all, most of us have heard the term, I want my cake and eat it too. I never really knew what that meant because what good does it do to have cake if you don't eat it? But, <laughs> but, um, that's like having boudin, you know? Yeah. It's like having boudin and not be able to eat it. But exactly. See, I've never been, people say, well, you eat too fast. Well, I don't like looking at food. I don't know. Like some people just like looking at food. I don't like looking at it. I like eating it. But, uh, or, uh, and, and, but, but what I'm, in the in the let's have our cake and eat it too category, the best case scenario for the Cajuns is that they win all three games and South Alabama wins all three games. Why is that, Bobby? Because of RPI. And if if if, if South Al wins all three games this weekend, they have a chance. They're fifty four in RPI. So if they sweep this weekend, they would. Uh, possibly move into the top 50. You know, it's not a guarantee. But then if they did move into the top 50, that would give the Cajuns, you know, three more wins against the top 50 RPI team. So that is the best-case scenario. And so it's kind of tricky. The The point of the, the math of this is tricky. The who you're pulling for part is tricky. So if, if, you, if you know – in other words, if you're going into the final game and the Cajuns won the first two games, you're really hoping the Cajuns just win and, and South Alabama just keeps winning. But obviously you have no control of uh, uh, of that part of it. Uh, one of the things that I think the Cajuns – I think this team is going to – I mean, understands the situation. Look, let's be honest. And Coach Glasgow brought this up at his press conference yesterday. If every if we had to ask everyone who has any care or any interest in Cajun softball, how many of us think that this team is going to end their streak this year of consecutive conference uh, weekends with series wins? I think most of us thought, man, it has a really good chance of ending this year. And here we are going into the last weekend of the season, and it's all the way up to 72, and it, and it has not ended yet. And so this team, I think, has handled pressure babe, maybe a little better than some people expected. No doubt, Kevin. And, you know, what's even more impressive about that is uh, we, we lost the first game of the series, I think, a couple of times. I know against App we did, and uh, I think there was one other time uh, against Georgia Southern, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So to lose the first game, both on the road of a conference series and then to be able to come back and win the next two and keep that streak going is is even more impressive. And, you know, it's been fun to watch these kids grow up, you know, and I've been hearing all year how young this team is. Well, you know, we're not young anymore. These kids are 50 games in, uh, can't be making the same mistakes we made in February and March anymore. That We're not, you know, being young is no longer a valid excuse, in my opinion. And, and I think the kids feel the same way and, they're a lot more comfortable out there. And, you know, once you get to 40 games and 120 at-bats, then, you know, 
in my opinion, you're not a freshman anymore. You now you're a sophomore. Let's go and uh, let's go get the job done. And I think these kids have done a really good job of doing that the last month. And the pitchers continue to give them, uh, I think, make decisions tough. At, you know, in that you know, do you pull pull the pitcher? Do you not pull the pitcher? But one thing that happened this weekend is they stuck with Sam longer than I think they would have stuck with her earlier this year when she struggled early on. Uh, they had some pitchers. It wasn't a bunch of four three scenarios this year. I mean, this past weekend they let pitchers go six and seven innings. Yeah, I think with Sam, uh, you know, it's, it was a situation where they probably felt like it was time to try to let her work through some of those uh, those issues she's been having, especially early in the games. You know, and I don't know, I don't know what that's all about. If you know, I know, you, you know, when a kid's in high school and they're as dominant as Sam Landry was, uh, her pregame preparation, you know, maybe doesn't entail as much mental preparation as you need when you're in college. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I think high school pitchers, when they're as dominant as Sam Landry, just, you know, they get in the bullpen, they warm up, they get in the circle, and they dominate the game. And uh, the mental part is not as important, I think, when you're the type of pitcher that Sam Landry was in high school as as it is when they get to college out. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. No, it does. I I think you're you're, you're probably right, and so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens from here on out uh, with that. But again, for a while there, we thought that Megan Shorman could only be a reliever and not a starter. Well, that turned out to be not so good, and so now one the other our concern. Well, Sam, you know, struggles early on, so maybe they can conquer that too as well. So right now, Bobby. Last I heard, the Cajuns were about 33 RPI. I think that's what it was yesterday. Um, are you confident that no matter what happens, they're going to be in a regional, or do you still think they need to kind of dot some eyes here? Well, you know, I think, you know, I certainly don't want to lose to Monroe. You want to go to Monroe and sweep and win at least a couple of games in the conference tournament and, you know, uh, best case scenario, scenario, you definitely want to win the conference tournament. And I think the Cajuns are in the best shape uh, when, when you get into a four-day tournament because of the three pitchers. You know, uh, Texas State is playing really, really well right now. But the Mullins kid, you know, after <laughs> her, they drop off a lot in the pitching department. And she's thrown a lot of innings this year. And uh, and then you got Johnson and Troy. And you got Lackey at South Alabama, uh, but those those three teams right there, you know, once you get past their their number one pitcher, they they you know they they kind of drop off a little bit. And so pitching wise, I think the Cajuns are in excellent state shape to go into a four day tournament and, and certainly be the favorites there because of that. And uh, another thing is, you know, because we've had three pitchers that have have done so well this year, their innings, you know, they're between, they're all between a 90 and a hundred innings. So they, you know, they're going to be really fresh going into the postseason. All right, Bobby, enjoy your Yankees winning streak and um, everything else that's going good. And especially enjoy the boudin. Don't look at it, eat it. Kevin, I think that, I think what the Yankees did was they told the analytics department to take, to take some time off. <laughs> we're going we're, we're to see what we could do. And, 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 I mean, they're playing, you know, they're stealing bases, 
bunting every once in a while. I even saw an inning last week where they scored four runs without a home run. And uh, according to the analytics department, that's important. That's impossible to do. So <laughs> I think that's what's happening right now. <laughs> I know that brings a smile to your face. All right, Bobby. Thank you very Absolutely. much, sir. All right, Kevin. We'll see you soon, buddy. Thank you. Bobby Nova, man loves the Yankees, and he hates striking out, and he's not the biggest fan of analytics. <laughs> so that's he's having a good time right now. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back with more on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you if you would like to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. All you need to do is go to the website, join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. And you put yourself in a position to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. So take advantage of that today. All right. It is interesting. You know, I'm not a, I've never been a big fan. I've always thought the RPI was um, flawed. Uh, and I've argued that for a long time. I think, again, my, I don't know exactly how to do it, but my premise for a solution is that you have to treat conference games differently. Um, Conference games cannot be given the same weight as non-conference games. It has to be, they're different, and and you got to treat them differently. And until they do that, I don't think they're ever going to, there's ever going to be any sense of fairness with all of that. But it is what it is, and it's tricky um, as we were trying to explain with the Cajuns, and I, I joked on what a month ago, you know, or something like that, that you know, I'm not good at math, and so I don't understand math, you know, all that, and and, and just basic percentages. It's like, how can this be? I could have, how could I have five more wins in this team and one more loss, but they ahead of me. I mean, I got five more wins than you and only one more loss than you. And somehow, math tells me you better than me. I don't get that. You know, that just goes against my little logic here, my little sense of justice. And, uh, again, it's not it's not subjective. Math is what it is. And that's why I was joking three or four weeks ago that, we need to change the fundamentals of math because this doesn't make any sense. But uh, the situation hasn't changed. Zero games have been canceled since I first said that. And still, 
you're sitting here with the Cajuns have five more wins than um, they've played five more games and they have five more wins. And yet they if the Cajuns lose one more game and South Al doesn't, then the Cajuns will not win the Sunbelt Conference Championship. That's just what the math of it says. And so it's tricky, like we said, because you say, well, you need them to lose. Well, but you really want them to win as long as you win. So as a fan, the point I'm getting to, as a fan, it's a tricky deal going into this weekend who you're pulling for. Obviously, you're pulling for the Cajuns to win if you're a fan of the Cajuns. But in terms of whether you're rooting for Troy to win or South Alabama to win, it's dependent on whether the Cajuns win or not. So in the moment, it's going to be hard to know which way to go. Tricky is what I'm saying. And it certainly is that. And so we'll see how that plays out. But again, we're in May. High school softball is over. Congratulations, by the way, to Notre Dame. They were the only team from the Cadiana area that won the state championship in softball. And baseball is quarterfinals. We're going to be talking more about that as the week goes on. But but we're going to have um, a lot of very interesting state quarterfinal three-game series starting Friday. You know, Turlings is the number one seed. They're going to be hosting University High. North Vermilion and Rain are going to be hosting. Uh, I mean, North Vermilion is going to be hosting Rain in a three-game um, series this weekend. Ascension Episcopal is going to be going to Notre Dame in a three-game series this weekend. LCA is going to be on the road. Uh, you know, they kind of had a rough start, but they've really regrouped, and they're still playing. Congratulations to the head coach. Many of you may not know this. Austin Robichaux is the head coach at Lafayette Christian, and they've done um, – a good job of, of continuing to get better as the season is going on. And um, we'll see how they do. St. Thomas Moore is playing at Parkview Baptist uh, in a three-game series. I think they're doing a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one-game-each-day series. So it is um, a lot of interesting high school baseball uh, series are going to take place this weekend. But the point of all that is, you know, and then the state track meet is this weekend. In um in Baton Rouge, and then you know after this after Saturday's games in the Sun Belt Conference, next weekend's going to be the Sun Belt Conference tournament, and um it's um you know and then shortly thereafter is going to be the Sun Belt Conference baseball tournament, then the regionals for softball and the regionals for baseball. So we can sniff the end. A lot of exciting and big games uh, fixing to to happen for sure around the Sun Belt and and the the SEC as well. And so it's um, um, we're getting down to the end. I I I would think that if LSU can win four out of four games in the last couple series, win two out of three at least from here on out, and even if they just win, I don't know. I think they're going to be a little higher on the totem pole than some people think. And the interesting one is LSU softball. LSU softball's had some really good wins this year and some really bad losses. They're kind of all over the place in terms of wins and losses. And as far as are they going to host, you know, UL softball fans have kind of gotten used to just having to make the short trip to Baton Rouge for a regional. Some people like that. Some people are a little tired of it. But the the alternative is where do you go? I mean, who knows where you're gonna go? <coughs> um, 
you know, you don't know. And so it um, as it becomes a lot harder to predict, obviously, if Baton Rouge, you figure if LSU gets one, the Cajuns are going to go there. But you don't know that. Uh, but most of the time that happens. So if, if Baton Rouge doesn't get a regional, then where's that regional going to be? I mean, who knows? I mean, it's just um, a little bit of a guessing game there or a lot of a guessing game. And so that, it might work out better, but it might not. And, and you know, it, it just, again, uh, a little tricky, a little tricky. So a lot of things have to um, play out over the next week or so, over the next over, over the weekend for that, and we'll see how it goes. LSU's playing Mississippi State in softball. So Mississippi State's kind of towards the bottom of the SEC. And so they're not, even if they sweep them, it's not going to help them tremendously. And so same thing with the Cajuns and Monroe. Now it's going to help the Cajuns if they sweep Monroe because they might win the Sunbelt Conference. And I think if they win the Sunbelt Conference, they're a shoe and they get a regional. Now where they place you in that, you know, well, that's that's a whole different deal. So we'll see how that plays out. And on, again, on the baseball side, you, you, you got to figure out, you got to sweep, you, you, you got to sweep UTA this weekend. And when you finish with Little Rock two weeks down the road, you got to sweep that one. And then in between that is you're playing the first place team, Texas State, on the road. And, you know, it, it, it's a team that scores a lot of runs, gives up a lot of runs. And it's a very offensive ballpark. I've never actually been. I've been to Texas State, but for football, not for baseball. But I'm told it's a very offensive ballpark. Uh, the wind typically blows out, and the Cajuns are really hitting the ball right now. So we'll see how that matchup goes. If they can sweep Little Rock at home and sweep UTA at home and win two out of three, man, they're going to win the league. They might even better win. You know that it would take. It'll probably take that to win the league. Um, hopefully it won't take a sweep at Texas State to win. It'd be nice if it works out where to win the lead, they just need to, you know, win eight out of nine and not all nine. And I think eight out of nine is realistic. Well, it's a lot to ask. I mean, it's all realistic, but it's a lot to ask to say you got to win all nine games. We'll see how it plays out. First, you got to sweep UTA like you're supposed to at home uh, this weekend, and we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll finish out today's show on the other side. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you, LSU playing Nichols tonight in baseball at Alex Box Stadium. Uh, you can hear all the action right here at one oh the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. First pitch set for 630. 
The Astros, meanwhile, as he said earlier, um, will try to beat Seattle again tonight. I think what the season series is probably three and is it what is it two and two right now probably because didn't it, didn't the Mariners win two out of three in Seattle? I think so. So I think it's two and two so far, and uh, I expect it to be a good series this year, and we'll see how how it plays out. Man, I I really. Um, Rodriguez looks really good in center field defensively. He's not getting it done at the plate yet, and I didn't know it because I'm following him online. I don't watch the games. But they were saying last night, for whatever reason, he's in a bad rut of getting a lot of bad balls and strike calls from the umpire. In fact, they even said it last night. Scott Service is like, man, why does this poor rookie have a different strike zone than everybody else? It's strange the way – um, it works. The Astros got a few borderline calls that worked against him last night as well, and they made those comments. But anyway, Astros Mariners, Minute Maid Park, game two of the series, first pitch tonight at 710, and you can hear that game at our sister station, News Talk 98.5. Uh, and again, it's Chris Flexen against uh, Christian Javier. So Altuve came back last night. Altuve is struggling. He was struggling before he got hurt, pulled his hamstring rung in the first, and he's still struggling. He looked really bad at the plate last night. So, you know, he's not alone. They got they got hitters all over the league are really some of many of them are getting off to really bad starts. Um, you know, there are guys like Candy who are hitting zero something, but Candy's never been a good hitter. Uh, but then there are other guys like I got some of my fantasy team. Shope from um, the Tigers, his batting average starts with a one. Fran Mil Reyes from the Guardians, his batting average starts with a one. And that's just to name a few because those are high in my mind because they're on my fantasy team and they're doing horrendous. But um, but um, so there's a lot of guys getting off to rough starts. We talked about that with the baseball at the beginning. If the Astros can get Altuve going, it will certainly help out, you know, the one of the wackiest seasons that's going on right now is Yuli. Yuli leads the league in doubles. He's got ten doubles already, but he doesn't hardly have any base hits other than those doubles, apparently, because he's still hitting like two ten. But leads the league in doubles. Needs to get more base hits with runners in scoring position. I know that much. But anyway, that game you can hear tonight on Sister Station News Talk ninety eight five LSU right here on one 10- oh. 3-7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls and the interviews, Coach Deggs and Bobby. And it was another good day. Y'all have a nice one.